0: Shooting stars, whether they fall from the sky or from your life, they're something to look at. Next Step, 739, August 4th, 2022. Hi, this is
1: Susie from In His Shoes Ministries, welcoming you to a 15th season of the Next Step podcast with Father Vozgen. With these podcasts, Father Vazgen provides a very distinct and consistent voice for Armenian Orthodoxy. It is the means for providing people an intelligent and practical answer to life's difficulties based on the solid principles of love, faith, and hope as expressed by our Lord, Jesus Christ. We produce these shows every week for a vast audience, which includes those who are searching for practical and deeper applications of faith, the disenfranchised members of the church community, and of course, the neophyte. So we invite you to sit back, turn up the volume, and get ready to take
0: the next step well welcome to the next step hope you're doing well wherever you happen to be listening to us here in southern california it is a scorcher it's another scorcher and i know in some parts of our country it's been really unbearable heat um, magnified by fires and just horrible weather patterns and it begs the question, like, <laughs> what are we doing with this planet, right? And uh, all the people who looked at it and said, no, 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 there's no problem. Just keep on using, keep on abusing. Well, you know, back in the 70s, there was a movement called the ecology movement, the ecosystem. You don't hear about ecology anymore, Right. You hear about well warming planet, you hear about the oceans and stuff. Greenpeace is probably the last vestige that's really doing anything, and now we're paying the consequences all over all over the place um Argentina I was in Argentina several years ago in the month of April, our spring up here, their autumn and it was just beautiful. And one of the things that I noticed was uh, how close it was to the South Pole. And I said to myself that, you know, no matter what, next time we're down in Argentina, we've got to make the trek over to Antarctica. I mean, it, it's the South Pole. And we used to use that as part of our advertising. Do you remember that? Those of you who go back a while, right? We used to say we're, we're, we're on every continent. We're on six out of the seven continents. Um, the next step, because at that time we had heard from everybody just about, I I, I can't remember exactly the numbers and everything, but we had listeners on every continent. And when it came to Africa, predominantly we had it from, um, I think it was Egypt. That was one of the big strong places where we were were heard. And so we made a, a point of saying that the next step is heard on six out of the seven continents. And of course, and out on Antarctica, we had no listeners or so we thought. And um, that would be cool, right? Amazing. Go down there and then just tune into the next step so we could make it all seven continents. But beyond that, it's also um, fascinating for me when you look at the studies that have been done there in Antarctica. It's basically an unexplored or let's say underexplored area of our planet, so much of it under ice. And um, I'm going to use that as a kickoff point for what I want to talk about today or what I want to start off with today. It's the gospel passage that we read last Sunday in church. If you were in an Armenian church, the gospel passage for that day came to us from Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 Through 14, and it's about the little ones. And it's about that unexplored, that innocence. And, um, I, I was at a church. Where I had served many years. And one of the things, uh, one of the most beautiful things that we had left at that church was the inscription over the altar. If you've been in an Armenian church, many of them, not all of them, but the vast majority of them, have an inscription over the altar area. It is usually an I am saying of Jesus I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection, I am the light of the world uh there there's there's many of them that are used in the few churches that i've had uh, that that i've had an option to be able to to write what what should be up there in cupertino i selected the passage from john because john chapter 16 because it meant so much to me courage the victory is mine i have overcome this world to me that is just such a a powerful statement of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, all of them are powerful, but this is not only powerful, but it, it's it's empowering, empowering to the person listening to it. Courage, the victory is mine. I have overcome the world. And the other church where I had an opportunity to put uh, a statement about the altar area um, was at the youth ministry. And I had an opportunity to put up The passage where Jesus said, let the little children come to me, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And so I was um, at that church. I had an opportunity to preach and um, I guess they had painted it. And um, unfortunately, those words were gone. But it was very special to me to be able to read that passage in a place that meant so much to the youth of that area. And there's a few reasons I'm saying this, uh, particularly because I'm getting a little bit nostalgic, preparing for the 40th anniversary of, our, uh, of my ordination and for the next step that we're going to be doing with the Apostle. Yes, there's a lot of nostalgia. There's an opportunity to think about, to reflect, to really, oh, yeah, most, most, um, most birthdays and anniversaries are times of reflection, aren't they, right? I mean, it, it, the very simple one is, of course, New Year's, right? You, you think about the year past and the year ahead. Well, it's so true about birthdays and anniversaries. They're just opportunities for, for reflection. And, and I'm doing a lot of that because I realized that, you know, if, if anything, this life is, is, is quick. You didn't think it, right, when you were a kid. You didn't think it would go by this quickly. You couldn't wait. You couldn't wait until you got older, till you got your learner's permit. You got your driver's license. You were able, well, some of us were excited that the prospect that we were able to participate in democracy by voting, we couldn't wait for that. We couldn't uh, wait to be an adult, to take on the challenges of life, to be to, to be somebody who who accepted the responsibilities given in this world. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're saying, hold it. Where is the brake pedal? Can I press off the brake pedal? Because I need to stop this runaway experience. Yeah, it's just going. It's going. And now, as you're looking back on 40 years, you're going, wow. I remember um, being at the anniversary party of uh, a dear priest that was – that was one of the few priests here in the Southern California area when I was growing up, Father Shahi Samarjan. I remember being at his anniversary party and hearing him express it with a word that he used, asub, asub, asub that life had gone by asubibes, like. An asub, And it was it was a very profound moment for me Because I wrote it down I said I'm going to find out what this is What do you mean life has gone by like an Asub And I lo- looked it up It was the shooting star ah, I like that Asub Shooting star You know now we know they're not shooting stars We know that they're I'm not going to play around with what it is but just the phenomena of a shooting star, of that asteroid just hitting the planet. And you think about it. I mean, it is bright. It goes from one side of the sky to the other. You can trace it. You could look at it. You are really amazed at how beautiful it is. But at some point, it fizzles out. It fizzles out. And if you if you you've seen a shooting star, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It just doesn't end. It just fizzles out, and uh, it's it's very like what life has given us. Now that I'm looking in retrospect, you know, and, and what life? Yeah, there were some fascinating moments, incredible moments, and I don't want to say it's fizzling out, but thank God I've been given this opportunity to to move into the next step. Thank God that I'm, I have this opportunity to, to redesign the ministry for this point in my life where we're going with epostle.net. And that's what we're going to be sharing in September this, this new dimension, this new ministry, apostolic evangelism for an electronic universe. And I'm so, I, I'm very honored that uh, I get to do this. Uh, th- this, this, I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate that we use the technology that's that's available to us. And I'm so glad that we have this opportunity to do it together. So, um, yeah, that asub is going by that that shooting star. And so, before it fizzles out, let's <laughs> let's put it in perspective. The children. That's where I wanted to start off with. Let me read to you this passage. It comes to us from Matthew chapter 18. And actually, I'm gonna go. A little bit earlier, I'm going to start from the beginning of the chapter. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child, He is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever causes one of these little children who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened round his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come Woe to the man by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell of fire. And now the passage that was read last Sunday. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, Truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than one of the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. This passage, I'll tell you, there's a few things that I want to share with you about this passage. First of all, the emphasis on children. Second of all, when you see that emphasis on children you realize that that is the perfection. That is the model. I mean, I just read it to you. You read it again, okay? Matthew chapter 18. Is there any doubt in your mind what Jesus is talking about? The creation of the perfect human specimen. Basically, children. And I invite you to read through this. I invite you to think about this for a moment, because what we're talking about here is basically we're, we've solved the nurture versus nature argument. Right? There are people who say, I mean, this was Pygmalion, right? That, that that was, that was does. Uh, are we born bad? Are we born good? And do we just follow through? And whatever condition we are is that's the way we were born, or Are we a product of our environment, behaviorism? In other words, the conditions of life have touched us in such a way that it triggers a trajectory that we will follow this path because of the conditions with which we were born and brought up and so on. And Jesus is answering it right there. Be careful. Be careful because you can trigger these responses. These children can go off the path. And by putting children up there as the model, it it invites us to really think about all that we have done to corrupt it, to corrupt life. In other words, think about the innocence that we have lost. We and it, by the way, in the second portion, I'm going to talk about um, I'm going to talk about a particular podcast that we did, but I invite you to listen to it once. It's number 432, I believe. It is in today's show notes. If You know what? It is such a good podcast. It was done a few years ago. It is good in the sense that I realized that, wow, we were talking about where we are right now many, many years ago. But there's a portion in there where I reflected that there was a shooting in America. And what has happened is we've lost the place of religion And faith group communities. And we as clergy are brought up as props. Now, what does that mean, the props? Well, you think about it, even within your community, who are the clergymen? Are they the people that give the moral compass, that that talk about the direction that we should be going in? not only about moral issues, but about general issues of understanding one another, caring for one another, loving one another, securing goodness for one another. Are we the ones? Or who are the people that are talking about what needs to be done? Basically, the politicians. We talk about justice in terms of politics rather than justice being something that's dished out. Uh, as a consequence of our morality, as a consequence of who we are, what we believe. And you you can't imagine this more than in the case of the props, the clergy as props. Now, um, among Armenians, this is very, very um, prevalent, and you'll see this all over, particularly in on April 24th when the Armenian genocide is commemorated, you will see the clergy brought up as props. They'll be standing there, and they will be asked to offer a prayer. Not ideas, not direction, but to offer a prayer. And the prop factor is in the fact that okay, here's the Orthodox and the Orthodox one is divided into Echmiadzin and onto us, and we'll have a representative each of them. Forget that they believe the same thing. Let's just have a representative each of them, so nobody will get uh, upset about anything. And then let's put a Protestant up there, and let's put a Catholic up there, and each of them can offer a prayer. And the clergy fall right into the trap by doing it instead of saying, hold your horses. Wait a minute. (laughs) This is not about who can give the better prayer. If we're going to pray, let's pray united. Let's pray as one person. We don't need everybody getting up there. Now, you want to hear about what my ideas are? That's different. Invite me on a different platform but not to just stand there as a prop. And you know what? I guess age and, and wisdom play into this. Um, last year, I did exactly that. I was invited to Glendale City College uh, for April 24th. And the year before, excuse me, no, not April 24th, on Martin Luther King holiday. And I was it, the year before I was invited, and I thought it was, wow, you know, a secular... Organization such as a school has invited me as a priest to come and speak on MLK holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, and civil rights and things that, social justice, things that were very, very important to me, still are. And I got up there and um, those of you who've been following and know what we're about as In His Shoes, this is a cornerstone of the In Shoes ministry, the fight for civil rights and social justice and so we've done all kinds of work and programs and so they had invited me to the college and when I got there they had a Jewish rabbi and they had a Muslim an Islam um uh, imam standing up there too okay no problem okay so father Vos can say a prayer now imam you say a prayer now rabbi you say a prayer and you go, what? what? What What are we doing here? What are we doing? You either believe in a prayer or you don't. What is this that we all get up and say our own prayer? And uh, so this year when they, they called me, I refused to go. I refused that we're not going to make a mockery out of religion. And then, I guess the bigger mockery is that on a holiday such as this, celebrating the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., you had the main speeches offered by people from secular backgrounds. And Dr. Martin Luther King definitely was a minister of the gospel. And um, I represent the gospel as a priest. i We're kindred spirits in that respect. And it's a slap in the face when you bring up the the secular guy to come up and, and explain this to you. But we are the convenient props, just like on April 24th, the convenient props. They're talking about genocide. We invite the priest to come up and say a prayer, but now sit down because the politicians are going to get up and speak. And so you got the mayors and you got the school board coming up and saying, genocide will not happen. Genocide is evil. There's nothing you can do as the Glendale mayor, as the Montebello mayor, as the Los Angeles mayor. You cannot stop genocide, first and foremost, because there is no genocide happening in your watch, in your town. Now, you want to do something, why don't you take care of the social problems that you do have in your towns, about poverty, about hunger, about inequality? Why aren't we taking care of these things? Instead... We're making it like, oh, I can control genocide. Let me get up and say, this is a horrible thing. We already know it's a horrible thing. But I invite you to listen to that podcast, 423, 423 or 432, whatever it is. It'll appear on today's show notes. Listen to it because it's a very profound statement that's made there. The little children, who are these little children? Well, it's the little children are the ones that have not been touched by all of this damage. It's like what the world was before global warming, right? It was a nice place. We didn't get this kind of heat. We didn't get these kind of freakish weather patterns, right? I mean, in Kentucky, one of our states over here, Kentucky, they just went through this Horrific uh, uh, flooding. Then on top of that, just heat and people dying because of heat exposure in on the continent, in, in London. It's so far north that you don't have temperatures that would warrant air conditioning units. And so what happened? All of a sudden it got so warm last week or the week before And they weren't prepared for it. People died. And we've just created this world that we are so proud of right now. And then when children come, you know what we say to the children? We say, we want you to be like us. This is where we'll pick up on um, part two of today's show. We want you to be like us. We've created such a great world that now you kids get the opportunity to be like us instead of listening to what Jesus said and become like little children. Think about this for a moment. We'll take our break right now with the song of the day. I'll be back in a few minutes, okay?
2: A child arrived just the other day He came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch Bills to pay He learned to walk while I was away And he was talking for a new age. And as he grew He'd say, I'm gonna be like you, Dad You know I'm gonna be like you And the cat's in the cradle and a silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when but We'll get together then, the son Now we'll have a good time then Well, my son turned ten just the other day He said, thanks for the ball, Dad, come on, let's play Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today I got a lot to do, he said, that's okay walked away but his smile never dimmed And said I'm gonna be like him yeah you know I'm gonna be like him and the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon The other day, so much like a man, I just had to say, Son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later, can I help them, please? And the cats in the cradle and a silver spoon, little boy. Well, I've long since retired My son's moved away I called him up just the other day I said I'd like to see you If you don't mind He said I'd love to, Dad If I can find the time You see, my new job's a hassle And the kid's the flu But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad It's been sure nice talking to you As he hung up the phone It occurred to me He'd grown up just like me My boy was just like me
0: harry chapin doing cats in the cradle oh i have to admit yes i always get a tear in my eye when i hear that last verse it's gonna be just like him oh there's so much we could say yeah today's the shooting star episode right it goes by so quickly anyway harry chapin doing cats in the cradle a very very special and emotional song and I've, I've wanted to play this for years because I just love it so much. I have an opportunity to do it today. I hope you enjoyed it. I will have a link on today's show note to the song and to the artist. When you've fallen awake, and you take... We're talking about the children today. The We're talking about the shooting star, how fast it goes by before it fizzles out. And not to get you depressed, but to just think about some of the ideas of why Jesus invites us to find that innocence within children, and then to look at it as the model for our life. Quite contrary to what we propose in life, where we look at life and we say, okay, look, this is what we've created. Children try to be like us. Now, if you think about what is the greatest gift that was, that's been given to us, obviously life is the, the ultimate gift. Without life, you got nothing else that really matters. But when you look at the, all the personality traits, the, the, the true gifts that God has given us, it's the imagination the imagination to think of what life can be, what you want to be, how you can interact. And when we think about imagination, a lot of times we go into the fictitious world, right? We think about books of fiction, movies are very popular, um, art forms of fiction, and imagination. And we say, wow, what an imagination the author has. But in reality, each and every one of us has that imagination. Each and every one of us in life is invited to exploit that imagination, to imagine what we can do with our lives. And herein is the big, the, the big, um, uh, invitation of life. Because each of us comes into life with different circumstances. We come into life, yes, the same in this beautiful childlike form, but The circumstances around us dictate different uh, realities, different trajectories of where our life is today. And so we look at it and we say, okay, with what I have, what life has given me, what can I do? That is a beautiful question. That is a fundamental question of existence, of identity, of worth, of self-worth, all the things that I have. When you look at, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk this week about the, the uh, about Afghanistan. It was a it was a year ago that the United States uh, took its troops out, and they are now just talking about the the conditions with which Afghanistan AfghaniStanis are finding themselves. They are interviewing women who've been beaten, have been tortured in this past year, and it, we're just getting a glimpse of what it is. I heard this report. I will definitely put some information about it on the show notes, invite you to listen to it, to read up about it, because it's horrific. And you listen to all of these stories and you say, what are they suppressing? They are suppressing the imagination. They are not letting people explore and be themselves. Right now, when we talk about gender rights, gender equality, when we're talking about issues of gender, which also includes the whole transsexual debate right now here in America, for some, it's not a debate. For some, it's, I mean, both ways, it's not a debate, pro or con. For others, it's something that we're going to look more into, need to look more into, but there is a definite reality. There is something that's going on and we are just now, we're, we're it's like the iceberg that's just floating up and you realize there's so much underneath it. It's not just that top layer, but there's a whole mountain of ice underneath. There's a whole existence that's underneath and we're now just exploring it. Yes, go back to Antarctica and, and look at it. Yes, what's underneath it all? And these are the questions that come up as human beings. We start thinking about who are we? What are we doing over here? And when you start doing that, you start thinking, well, what can I do with this imagination? John Lennon used the word imagine. Imagine a world where there's no borders, where there's no countries, there's no religion, that we are all just people. You and me living together in harmony. Is that possible? And Many poets have have thought about this and have contemplated this and pushed the limits to think about these things and ask, okay, what the big questions, okay I, I have these freedoms. I have imagination. Am I exploiting it, exploiting it for who? Myself, for my community? And what are those dreams that I have? And those dreams are really the outward expression of our imagination, right? You imagine something and you have a dream. And then to make that dream into a reality, that's where you start working. That's where you start putting energy into it. And um, you know, it, it, it's so important to to exploit that imagination. I think this is one of the points that we are always cautious not to use that word exploit. We don't want to exploit others. Don't exploit others. But when it comes to imagination, God's gift. Yes, exploited. is Isn't that the, the, the parable of the talents? The people who had the more talents, whether it's the five and the three and the one, or the ten and the five and the one, the big ones are the ones who exploited what was given to them. The one who didn't do anything was condemned. So it, it all comes down to that imagination. What can you do with that imagination? Now, put this all together with the children. What do children have? They have imagination. They can imagine things that you and I... We can imagine them, but we don't want to. They can play car with an imaginary car. We don't want to play that game. They can play all kinds of games and imagine themselves... Within that game, we can't do that. And as you grow older, you're suspicious of reality. And along with that, you're suspicious of your ability to imagine. And I think when the, when we read something like, become like the little children, I think that's what Jesus is inviting to us to. To have that purity of heart. To be able to really look at life. And not restrict yourself with the limits that you put on yourself. It's one of the saddest things I always hear from young people. I can't do this. Why? I can't do this. I mean, I'm not talking about supernatural things, you know, like, hey, go out there and fly. No, I can't do this. Okay, I understand that one, right? Although I'm sure that the people who invented the airplane... Wilbur and Orville Wright were told you cannot fly. And they figured out a way to fly. But you know what I mean. You can't take somebody and just toss them off of a building and say, go ahead and fly. It's not going to work, right? So there are limits. Your physical being limits you. But there's so much more that you can do. And I think this is the saddest thing that I see in people. As a priest of 40 years, you know. The saddest people are the ones that no longer dream. When you hear of the stories coming out of Afghanistan or these places where there is such oppression, it's people who can't dream. And isn't it, is, isn't that the definition of oppression? Right? You're forbidden to dream. You are oppressed because you are forbidden to dream. And the opposite of that is you can dream, you can create your life, you can imagine, you can create your own destiny. That is the freedom that we have. And so oppressed is the opposite of that. The inability to create your own destiny, the inability to dream. Not the inability, but the prevention to prevent you from dreaming. And you think about it for a moment these oppressive societies what do they do they, they 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 oppress you by what taking away that ability to talk to bounce ideas off of other people take away your freedom of speech and uh, expression take away that and your ability to uh, to articulate your ideas and slowly your dreams go away and it's truly the strong ones that are able to to survive oppressed uh, situations because they, they latch on to their dreams and they keep their dreams. You probably heard about the, the basketball player in Russia. It is uh, a top news item today, Brittany Greiner. She was detained several months ago for having some uh, contraband in with her, contraband over there in Russia. She had some uh, marijuana or cannabis, I think, in the form of spray. I don't know the um, uh, the exact details of what it was, but it was a small... What here in America would be insignificant, and she was detained over there, and today, judgment was passed. Nine and a half years were given. Now, this seems absurd to us. It seems absurd because, first of all, it is not... Illegal over here in America. But even if, even when it, there are illegal drug substances, nine and a half years of imprisonment. And you say that's absurd. Yeah, it is absurd by our standards, right? By the standards actually of humanity. I mean, what are you talking about? But it also brings the point home you are not in a free society it also brings the point home that these people are very strict and also let's not discount the fact that this is politically motivated right because of the competition because of where we are with russia where the where the west is with russia and just the deterioration of of dialogue between the two superpowers. And sadly, sadly here is a woman who's caught right in the middle of it. She's caught in the middle of it because she's going to be played like a pawn between these two powers. And things will resolve and you realize that it's not about, it's not about the drug possession. It's about other things. But at the end of the day, what is it? That imprisonment is a way of suppressing that, that imagination. Leo Tolstoy wrote a, a lot about this, shared it. Uh, Victor Hugo wrote a, a lot about the, the French penal system. I mean, all of these uh, punish systems of punishment, and even here in the United States, in the West, we measure our humanity by the the degree at which we shy away from cutting off people from their humanity. There's a movie that came out, I believe it was 1980. If you get a chance to see it, it's excellent acting. Robert Redford called Brew Baker. Excellent, excellent. But it shows you what happens when you take away those rights. And there have been many books, many movies made about the penal system. In, um, in in many backward towns backward areas. today it's in Afghanistan. We're seeing what's happening a year after the West America pulls out. And again, the ugly side of politics. Now, to put this all together and why I'm talking about this, I want you to just think about this. The priests are used as props. And the politicians are the ones that are giving their ideas. You look at what's going on in the world and you realize the mess up is because of the politics. Yes, I admit in the past there have been mess ups with religion. But because of that, people have shied away from letting religion rule it. And when I go back to that Martin Luther King Junior morning, I, I felt it. I felt it. I was being part of this prop when I heard the, I believe it was the imam who got up and he quoted um, uh, Genesis, the story of Adam and Eve, and he referred to it as factual truth. And you listen to it and you go, okay, maybe there's a reason why people put off religion. But in the grand scheme of things, when Jesus says, be like that child, because that child was in heaven just a few minutes ago, that child is the most fresh, pure, and innocent life that has come into this world. And we do not have the right to destroy that life, to prevent it from imagining, to prevent it from dreaming, oppress it from dreaming. And so you get this whole idea of where we're at today in this world. I share this with you because, to me, when we have this opportunity to talk about the children, to focus in on Matthew chapter 18, it behooves each and every one of us to really to pull out those children in our lives, to look at their childness. Yes, life does go by just like we said, like the shooting star. And it's going to fizzle out at the end, right? What I'm asking you is to look back and see where you were when you were at the beginning, where you were when it was starting to shine, when you were just hitting the atmosphere and you were burning and enjoying that burning. And then go back to that place. It's a very creative place. It's a very energetic place. And it's a place that I know Jesus is pointing to the energy to dream. That's my shooting star commentary for today. Let's take a break here, Susie. I'll be back in a couple moments, okay?
1: Before getting back to The Next Step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The Next Step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry, as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to The Next Step with Father Vazgen.
0: Hey Susie, thank you very much and thank you all of you for all of the beautiful prayers and thoughts and wishes that you send our way. It goes a long way and most importantly I appreciate the support through your prayers. That's what does it. Now, we have a big event coming up September 25th. I'm going to invite you to go to
1: epostle.net. net, apostolic evangelism for an electronic and expanding universe. And
0: even if you've been coming to the mothershipinissues.org, so we're slowly making the transition over to epostle.net. You will see a countdown clock. And I'm inviting you to count down with us to September 25th when we will debut the new It is wild. This past week, I had a chance to go into the metaverse. That's why I'm going to invite you to look at, because I'm going to talk about it next week. I'm going to invite you to listen to next step number 432. I believe it's 434. Whatever is on. Let me give you the exact number because it is 423, okay? 423. Listen to next step number 423. And it is called A Few Hundred Years of Pokemon. And in it, we talk about imagination. We talk about what's going on with virtual reality with Pokemon. It is one of the best. It is one of the best. I listened to it the other day because in preparing for... for um, some of the upcoming events. I wanted to have some material. Yeah, I just love it. So much so that I was going to make it, uh, I was going to do it uh, a repeat, but there was enough to say about the children today. Next week, we'll talk about the metaverse, and I invite you to listen to this particular podcast before coming together. All right, that does it for today's show. And I want you to just go to epostle.net and feel comfortable that you're part of it all. I'll be Susie, our producer, and myself, Father Voska, and I look forward to taking the next step.
1: and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskulledness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. Management and projection crew of v- net take full responsibility for changes you will experience not valid with any other offer I
2: forgot to ask you if uh you you're seeing the same sky as we are uh bye